God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. some things. We discovered that God asked Jonah, who was a historical prophet, you can find many kings, he asked, he told Jonah to arise and go cry out against Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh. And one of the reasons why Nineveh was so great, because it was a vast city. I told, uh, uh, I told uh, Sister Nancy to go look for the three cities. And, and it's Nineveh proper, and it's Kayla, and it's, uh, I think it's Bashation. Yep, I think so. Yep, I think it's those three cities. And, and those three cities comp compromise the city of Nineveh, which is like a triangle. They had mountains on one side, and they had rivers that surrounded it, that, that bunched up against it. So now we have uh, it being great because the Nineveh part was a fortified city. Kayla was a fortified city. Also was a third city was a fortified city. Nineveh really wasn't destroyed by, uh, by massive armies, even though we know that an army came against it. It was actually destroyed by flood, low-lying floods, which actually destroyed one of the walls, yes. So, we have the prophet. We have the disobedient prophet. We talked about that the last time. We talked about how sometimes what happens when we are disobedient or one who's called by God is disobedient, that it has a ripple effect on everybody else. Uh, Jonah was called by God, and Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Now, you would think Jonah wanted to go to Nineveh because he's going to crowd against Nineveh. He didn't like Nineveh for good reasons. And a lot of people say Jonah didn't know God, but we're going to find out that Jonah knew God, and that's why he ran. Because he understood that God was a God of mercy and second chances. And one of the things I want you to get out of this lesson is God is a God of mercy and second chances. So he, instead of running and going in the direction God had told him to go, what he did was go in the opposite direction. He wanted to go to Tarshish. Now, we heard that, that, that city called Tarshish, that's the, the city that Paul was born in is the city of Tarshish. So what we have to understand is that these geographical locations play an important role all throughout the history of the Bible. Uh, running in the opposite direction, a lot of us do that. When we're called by God, God gives us a mission of that we didn't want. We always say, uh, I was reading uh, Isaiah, and it talked about send me, six and eight. He's talking about send me. You know, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And we say, send me. But we say, send me with a caveat. We say, send me with a question mark. We say, send me with a, with a, with a, with a semicolon. Like, okay, send me, but send me where I want to go. But God normally sends the ones who are called into areas where they may not want to go and, and may not have the, the results they want to have. So we have Jonah running in the opposite direction after being called by God. God called Jonah, gave Jonah a mission to cry out against the city of, of Nineveh. He said their sins had come up, their wickedness had come up before him. We got the wickedness of God in the book of Nahum, if you want to read how wicked they were. And he went out of his direction. And again, you would think if he was going to cry out against them, that would be something Jonah wanted to do. But Jonah didn't want to. Jonah took a trip to, he bought a ticket and took a trip so-called to Tarshish. But his destination is Nineveh. His destination by God is Nineveh, but he's going in the opposite direction of what God wants him to go. So God called him, he buys a ticket. Once he buys a ticket, he's in the boat. The boat's on its way to Tarshish. Now God, who called him, raises a storm. 
at that point, Jonah's in the bottom of the boat sleep. The sailors, the mariners, are worried about the storm because this is a storm like no other storm they've ever had before. This storm threatens their life, not knowing that Jonah was the reason why the storm had come. It was God who caused the storm to come against the boat to where Jonah felt safe and they were in danger. So even though Jonah was down in the boat sleep, the ship was tossed to and fro, and the mariners wanted to find out. So they told Jonah, why are you sleeping? Don't you see what's going on? Why are you, why are you, why are you so relaxed while everything is going on? And you know what? That's something about sin when we don't do what God say. We tend to find a place that we can be comfortable and let the havoc of what we've done take its place. I'm going to say it again. We tend to find a place where we can be comfortable in our sin, in our disobedience, and even though we are in our sin in disobedience to God, we're still looking for comfort. We're still looking for peace. But there is no peace when it comes to sinning against God, as we're going to see. So Jonah then and the mariners get together, and they say, cry out to your God. So Nancy, I want you to pick up at verse uh, 6. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us that we will not perish. Call on your God. And that your God may be concerned about us that we may not perish. Now, they had already started calling on their gods, but their God weren't working. Their God were gods of idols. Their gods were gods of wood and stone. Obviously, these people knew something about the Hebrew God that he says, maybe your God will have favor on us. Maybe your God will look at us and decide to spare us. Even when we sin, and it has a ripple effect on others that may affect their lives, it's okay for the sinner to call out to God. It's okay for the sinner to look for the saint that will help lead them into safer waters. So these mariners are pretty smart guys. They say, well, just maybe, since our God hasn't worked, and we, maybe we've heard some things about your God, uh, maybe your God will have favor on us and pay attention to us. Go ahead. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. Mm -hmm. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Mm -hmm. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Now, I find it quite fascinating. They're not asking Jonah for confession. They're asking Jonah for an answer. Why has this happened to us? Mm -hmm. Can you cry out to your God and your God give us the reason why this has happened to us? They didn't know that the reason why, even though Lot was on Jonah, they had not come to the conclusion yet that Jonah was the reason why they're in trouble. Yeah. So many times when we ask questions to people about why things are happening, a lot of times it's happening because of the company that we keep and the people we hang around, and the things we do. And because they were in the proximity of a disobedient prophet, they were trying to find the answer to get them out of the storm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and read. He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because so, he had told them. So now Jonah had confessed to them. So we got a confession. Jonah says, they asked him, how can you do this? Now, this, now think about this. These are heathens. They're asking a Hebrew, how could you do this and bring this upon us and yourself? And then the reason why they were able to say that because Jonah confessed. Now, I want you to take a note of this. The confession made by the one who's disobedient always brings about peace. The confession by the disobedient brings about peace. It's one thing, Nancy, to confess to God. Because you can't see God, you're going to private. We all talk about going to confess to God privately, right? But it's a whole other thing to confess to God and then also confess to man. It, Jonah is being humbled. He knew why he was there. He could have just Stay at the bottom of the boat and confess to God and say, you know what? 
God, I, I messed up. But he was put in a situation where he had to confess to men, not even men of his own country, not even men of his own nation, his religion, his relationship with God. He had to confess to the men that he had damaged, the men that he had, he had put in harm's way. There's another level of repentance that we don't talk about that we do need to talk about because we naturally want to avoid it. We want to avoid confessing one to another. And the Bible tells us to. The Bible tells us that, that if we confess one to another, the Bible also tells us that God is faithful to forgive us for all of our sins. And part of that contrition and contrite heart is having the ability to repent and confess to the ones that you have hurt. The ones that you have damaged, the one that you have put in harm's way. That's a contrite heart. See, you just don't stop at God. You go to the level to where there might be embarrassment. You go to the level where there might be consequences that are put on by the people you confess to. But there's a weight lifted off those who confess. First to God and then to the persons or people that they have affected. The people they have wronged. So now we have a confession. It is me the reason why this is happening. Keep reading. Let's see what happens next. Let's see their response to, to Jonah's confession. Go ahead. So they said to him, mm -hmm. what shall we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? Okay. For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. So they didn't make a judgment call on Jonah. They said, okay, what can we do to you? Or even what can we do to just stop the storm? Since it's you, what can we do to you to stop the storm? Their first response was not to toss, to toss him over, as we're going to see. Their first response was to give him grace and preserve him. Keep reading. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. So he gave him the answer. Yeah. Pick me up and throw me in, and the sea will be calm. But on their hand, their attitude was different. Keep reading. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Mm -hmm. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Now, even their act of grace did not take precedence over God's providence of what he wanted to be done. Even these men did throw Jonah overboard right away. Jonah keeps getting grace after grace after grace. He's even given grace by the people that he's harmed. They tried to roll against the wind that was caused by his disobedience and to get to dry land and get him to land safely. But they didn't even stop there. They didn't just roll against the wind. What else did they do? Read. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And see, they tried to lighten the load as if it was going to help them. They were not worried about Jonah. Jonah has made his confession. They're going to spare Jonah. They're going to try a human effort against God's providence. And it never works. When God providentially does something, even doing a good thing, which is the grace that they wanted to show him, God's mission, purpose, for your life is providential, meaning that God loves you enough and loves himself enough that he will do whatever it takes to bring about his end. And Jonah being thrown into the sea was just the beginning of bringing about the end. And I always thought about this. He's preparing Jonah for the journey. And what we think, because we're looking at it, Jonah's disobedience, but Jonah's disobedience helped actually prepare him to go do what God had called him to do. God's correction plan is in place now. God needs to humble Jonah. So first humbling of any human being, first humble of the saints is you got to confess your sin to God. Then you got to confess your sins to the ones you have wronged. And you have to deal with the natural consequences of the actions that you have done. There is a spiritual weight of heaviness of the sin lifted from you, but we want to not, now I want you to pay attention to this. Men are egotistical. Men and women are egotistical. We want to downplay our sin and upplay somebody else's sin, and we will say, well, I'm not like them. See, my, 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 my position would be, I'm not like Jonah. 
So don't throw me, don't throw me overboard. I'm not like Jonah. But who of us can actually say that we're so good and we're so holy and we're so pious that we don't need to be discarded? But God is a God of second chances and third chances. And he, and he wants to bring his glory about. So let's see how God goes about bringing his glory. Keep reading. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Mm -hmm. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now we know that is represent, representative of Jesus. The, he talked about the generation that was going to seek a sign. And they were not going to see a, a sign other than that of Jonah. That prophecy has been fulfilled. Okay? So when, when people preach and say, this generation is seeking a sign and there is none, well, that prophecy's been fulfilled because we're not waiting for God, Jesus, to be in the, in the tomb three days. He's risen now. That prophecy is fulfilled. That's over with. It's a, it's a thing that we say and people say, but it's wrong. Because to say this generation is waiting on a sign, we already know the sign by the word of God of what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like when he comes back. So we're not waiting on the sign. We're waiting on him. We're waiting on a person. We're not waiting for the sign to point to Jesus. We're waiting on Jesus. And for those who are chasing signs and stars and moons, you're wasting your time because he said nobody knows the time of his return. But you'll know it by the sound. The loud sound that will come. You'll know it. Okay? So now you have him being swallowed by this fish. So God gave him a mission. He decided to go in the opposite direction. God sent the storm. Now God sent the fish. Now, all this is to get him to go to Nineveh. All these things that happen is to curtail him to go to Nineveh. So God says, I'm going to send the fish to take you. You're not going to have to swim. I'm going to send the fish for you. Now, he's in the belly of the fish. Now, what happens? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Mm -hmm. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me, and all your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me, Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. So now we have Jonah, actually, from his confession, now in a situation where he is dying, he is dead, to go to Sheol, we're not talking about the place of torment, but we're talking about the place of death. Death had encompassed Jonah. Scholars argue this back and forth about Jonah being alive or dead within the belly of the fish, but there is historical things that show that a person can live inside of these great whales and and, but, and a dog can live five days inside of a fish. There's articles on that kind of stuff. But see, when the Bible says that there will be no sign, Jesus said there will be no sign other than Jonah. With Jesus, Jesus died, and so did Jonah. And as Jonah died, his soul cried out to God. And now Jonah is seeking the mercy of God after he has confessed his sin. Even though it's a bad situation, Jonah is still seeking the mercy of God in this. Jonah is still looking forward to God saving him. Because this is what I would tell you about Jonah. Jonah knew where his help came from, and Jonah knew God. Even the most disobedient man or woman in Christ, they know Jesus. And even when they're most disobedient, they know who to call on. It's like a parent. 
No matter how disobedient you get, when you get in deep trouble, you call on mama and daddy. When you get beside yourself, you call on mama and daddy. It doesn't make a difference what you've done. You're going to call on mama and daddy. And Jonah knew God. And one thing he knew about God, the one thing that he hated, that God was merciful and that God would hear him. He was ready to be saved, but he still wasn't ready to be saved for the mission that God had for him. He wanted to be saved for his selfish reasons. And when we come into salvation, let's be honest, we want to get saved for our selfish reasons. We don't want to necessarily get saved to help the next person. We don't want to confess our sins and deal with the ramifications of what we may do from that person. What we seek is complete observation. We want to be absolved from all heart, hurt, harm, responsibility, and accountability. And Jonah now is looking for that. Jonah wants God to forget about his disobedience and come save me because my disobedience had led me to a place I don't want to be. I'm in the belly of a fish getting uh, seaweed all on me. The gastro juices of this fish is digesting me. And I have died, and I, my soul cry out, and I need some help from you. And what did God do? Go ahead. Um, verse 8. Those mm -hmm. who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. With a voice. See, all he got now is a voice. There's no temple worship. There's no, there's no, no sacrifice of goats and bulls. All he has is the voice of thanksgiving. The Bible tells us to come into his temple with thanksgiving. A lot of times we come with stuff and we need to come with thanksgiving. We're dead men like Jonah. The Bible tells us we're dead in our sins and trespasses. We come as dead men and the only thing we can give God is his thanksgiving. The worship of thanksgiving. Go ahead. That which I have vowed I will pay. Mm -hmm. Salvation is from the Lord. Now, that's, the most key. that's one of the key parts in there. I want you guys to underline that. Who does salvation belong to, Nancy? The Lord. That's the key. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The salvation doesn't belong to man. Salvation doesn't belong to the pastor. The salvation doesn't belong to the deacon, the so-called apostle, the so-called prophet. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That's why the Bible says faith come by hearing, hearing come by the Lord, word of God. It's God who saves and man who's an instrument of his salvation. God who saves and man is the instrument of his salvation. I teach, we are just a soup spoon. And we're serving up what God has given us to serve up, which is the gospel. And even Jonah understood this. Jonah understood that salvation is of God. This is the reason why Jonah didn't want to go. He said, what you mean, pastor? He knew how gracious God was. He knows when God cries out against anybody, history, history told them that when God cries out against you, God's actually trying to get your attention. He doesn't want to come against you. He doesn't want to harm you. He, doesn't want, he wants to be merciful, but he wants your attention. And, and, and I always ask you this. How far do you think God will go to get your attention? Ask Jonah. He put him in a fish. He let him die. But he, Jonah understood salvation belonged to the Lord. Go ahead. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. So now we have a profession, a confession and a profession. And now God commands the fish just like he commanded Jonah. And the fish did what God said and vomited him up on dry land. Now, now see, you got to picture this in your mind. This man has now been spit out up on dry land. Can you imagine what he looked like? Can you imagine? He wasn't sitting there in his church clothes. He wasn't all shinied up. He probably looked a hot mess. And I think about God's beauty and his providence. He's getting to walk into a great city, a great town. An evil town, but a great city. A city, a metropolitan area. And he looks very cosmopolitan. And, and he looks a hot mess. Because he has to get the attention of everybody in this city because he's commanded to go through the breath of Nineveh, which is a three days journey through the city and cry out against it. Who better to stand on the corner to get your attention than somebody who like to been dragged through the mud? And don't look like you. 
and don't look like you. And there's something wrong with him because the juices have, have probably misfigured his skin. So he looks, he looks beat up, tattered, whooped. And now he's got to give a message. Now he's on foot. Now, the, what I couldn't find out is, okay, if he vomited him up on dry land, how far did he have to walk to get to Nineveh? You know, did he, get, did he vomit him up on dry land in one of the canals? In one of the rivers, the Tigris River or one of the rivers? Because they'll see as far away. So let's just assume that, let's just assume for argument's sake, he had to walk to Nineveh. Now, the Bible said it, what he vowed to do. Well, we know what he vowed to do. He vowed that if you get me out of this, God, I'll go ahead and go do what you want to do in Nineveh. Of course, that's what he vowed to do. That's what I would have vowed to do if I had a chance to cry out to the Lord, Lord, where he wanted me to hear me. I knew I'd been disobedient, so what I'm going to do is tell God, I'm going to go to Nineveh like you said, even though I don't like it. So he starts walking to Nineveh. Go ahead. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying... So now we got the Lord being so gracious to Jonah that he's going to give him a second chance and the word, word, word of the Lord is going to come to him a second chance. Saints of God, you have more chances than Jonah. The word of the Lord came a second chance to, to Solomon. The word of the Lord came a second chance to David. The word of the Lord came a second chance to Saul and the Lord the word of the Lord has come to you many times but sometimes they come in a package like Saul all messed up so the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time on his way into Nineveh and what did he tell him? Arise mm -hmm. go to Nineveh the great city and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So he told him look you got to get up don't you know you spent too much time do not dust yourself off, but get getting ready to go. You need to get going. Arise and get going. That lets you know that, Nate, uh, that, that, that that Jonah was still hesitant, even though God had done all that He did for him, brought him back from the dead, got him out of the fish. He was still hesitant in doing what God had called him to do. We like that. God has delivered you in and out of stuff, and you still are hesitant to fully come to God. You're still a plan with God. You still are trying to appease God. You're still looking at your sins and the way you do things as, oh, it's not as bad as somebody else. I'm not that police officer that killed somebody. So I should be okay. But God doesn't look at it like that. Your sins are uniquely and ugly yours. They belong to you. You can't compare your sins to nobody else's. Because you got your own unique thing that's called poison, that's called sin. So Jonah's on his way. God said to go tell the Ninevites what I told you a second time, telling the proclamation. Go ahead. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh mm -hmm. according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Here we go. Exceedingly, exceedingly great city. Go ahead. A three days walk. A three days walk. Go ahead. Then Jonah began to go through the city mm -hmm. one day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now think about this. His cry is not repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His, his cry is not repent at all. His cry is the fact he said in 40 days this city will be overthrown. There was no discussion about what they could do. But on the boat, the men asked him, what could they do? Jonah was very happy to cry against the city. But Jonah wasn't happy that he knew that there was a God that if they repented, that he would relent. And what he left out was, if you repent. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says, he said, well, if y'all repent, he's not going to do this. All he did was cry against the city. He went from city to city, town to town, corner to corner, and cried out against it in a loud voice that the city is going to be destroyed within 40 days. Go ahead. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered 
with sackcloth and sat on the ashes. So you got, you got Nineveh hearing the cry of condemnation, hearing the cry of judgment against them, and then you have them believing and repenting. You have them believing and repenting. You have them believe what he said, the doom, and then turning to God that they did not know and repent. So God honors the repentance of a sinner. They were the example of us. We hear God's word and God gives us an ear to hear. Faith come by hearing. Here he came by the word of God. God opened their ears to hear and they repented. And Jonah has the best record of any evangelist on the planet. A whole nation got saved that has never been done before. From the, from the top to the bottom, from the richest to the poorest, from the king's house to the outhouse, everybody got saved. And the king commanded for the, for the salvation of the Lord, because it belongs to the Lord, as we heard, he commanded that they do a ritual, which was sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes. They decided to repent. And God, in his mercy and his grace, decided to show a heathen nation that had been so cruel to his people. He decided to repent, to relent from the destruction of Nineveh, just like he did before. But they just got one prophet. Just think about this, saints. They just got one prophet. They didn't have a whole bunch of prophets because 100 years later, if you read Nahum, they did get destroyed because they had turned their back on God. But God, Jesus, it tells us, go to, go, I want you to see something. Go to uh, Matthew 23 and 33. Start there. Jesus tells us that the Jews, and we're just like the Jews because we actually have more than the Jews have to turn to God. Start there. Matthew 23 and 33. Uh-huh. You serpents, mm -hmm. you brood of vipers, mm -hmm. how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. How many? Prophets, wise men, and scribes. And what do they do? Some of whom you will kill and mm -hmm. crucify, mm -hmm. and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So God is saying, I sent the Jews, I sent you guys many prophets, many scribes, many wise men, and basically you will ignore them and some you will kill and flog and hurt because you don't want to hear the message. Why don't you want to hear the message? John 3, 19. Men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. How many times does God have to knock on your door before you answer yes and amen? Go ahead. No, read that. Finish reading. Oh, okay. So that you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakia, mm -hmm. whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. These are the good Jew folks. These are the good Christian folks that murdered God's prophets and God's priests. Go ahead. Truly I say to you, mm -hmm. all these things will come upon this generation. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? See, the difference between the Ninevites, they were willing. The difference between the Jews and, and receiving the prophets, the scribes, the scriptures, they were not willing. The difference between the Ninevites, they were willing. They heard one man with the word of God. The difference between them and the church is we got a whole bunch of people preaching and teaching, but we got the majority of people not hearing. You're not, we're not hearing because if we were hearing, we wouldn't be where we're at as a whole. If we were all preaching repentance and sin and saving and the gospel of Jesus Christ versus the social gospel of God wants to make you happy, then we would have the, the, the results of the gospel. But since we're preaching another gospel, which is, which is a sin, then what we get is the seed of what we planted. See, the, the, the thing about it is, how long do we as the church realize that we have everything we need to believe in God and everything we need to, 
to, to walk upright before God. We even have the sacrifice what they didn't have as Jews, which is God himself, Jesus in the flesh. We should be like the Ninevites. One, one time we hear the word of God, knows the pure word of God, then we all repent. Go back to the Ninevites. And that's what I want you to think about today. How many times does God have to come to you? Are you like Jonah? That you got to be put in peril? You got to go through all this trouble? Some of you come to the altar with the same thing every time and you wonder what's going on. You're not being obedient to the, to the light that you have. You want more light, but you're still walking in darkness, but you want more light to impress who? Yourself and others. Jonah had to be humbled. Jonah had to be broken. Jonah had to die. And so do you. You don't have to go in the fish, but you got to die to self to be a servant of God. Go ahead. Joan, yeah. Okay, verse 7. Mm -hmm. He issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Yes. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way. What you say, turn from what? From his wicked way. The somewhere in this Bible tells us that if my people will call by my name, shall do what? Turn. Turn. That word turn, you see in the Old Testament, turn from your wicked ways means repent. If they will turn and seek God earnestly, does it say that in that fashion? Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and, and, and God's righteousness? Yeah. If we turn from our wicked ways, the people are called by name. These are people that are not called by his name, but they have enough God in them and enough sense in them to turn and seek God earnestly. Not their pagan God, but the true and living God. Go ahead. And from the violence which is in his hands, mm -hmm. who knows God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. So what they did was rely on the kindness and the mercy of God, and they did not presume that God was going to save them. What they hoped was that the God of what they heard about, the merciful God, would actually save them because they deserved, because of their wickedness, to have this proclamation against them. Jonah knew that they were wicked. Jonah knew that probably back in his day when he was a child, that he watched his parents, his, his kinfolk, get taken away by the Syrians. He knew how evil and brutal they were, but God wanted to save them. And that's the kind of God we serve. God wants to save the worst of us to show that he's God. So we're in a situation now where some of the worst of us are being are, are, are on display. And people and, 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 it's, and it's showing how, how much you don't understand the word of God. Because you want something to happen to the worst of us. But see, when you want something to happen to the worst of us, you also want something to happen to yourself. Because you don't get to determine what's worse. God does. And because God is rich in mercy and grace, he wants to shed his love abroad for everyone. He desires that all should be saved. But it's us that desire that a certain folk in a certain look in a certain way, and they have to do a certain thing to be saved. That's not the gospel. The gospel is for all those who would believe. And John has said they are, they are perishing because they don't believe already. But the Ninevites believed when the Jews and the Christians don't. That's why it's easier to deal with somebody who's a full Brown sinner than to deal with somebody who's just churched. Because they believe they're better than somebody else. And when you're better, when you think you're better than somebody else because of something like this, you're not better because you're saved. You're better because God saved you. Salvation is in his hand. Read, and we're almost done. We almost get to chapter two. Go ahead. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way. Their deeds. So I guess God didn't register their deeds as being evil because they did it in faith. They had no relationship to the true and living God. They weren't Jews. So the only way they could do the sackcloth ashes and all the things that they did and turn from their wicked ways, they said, maybe God will repent. They did it by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Go ahead. 
God relented concerning mm -hmm. the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. Mm -hmm. And he did not do it. And he didn't do it. You know, Jonah mad as a bear now. Yeah. I would be. You mean that you saved me, and I'm thinking probably you saved me to crowd against this city because you wanted it destroyed, and it's turned around that you didn't want to destroy it. You wanted to save what I hated. You wanted to save the people that I hate. The people that have been so evil to the Jewish nation. You want to save them? They're not Jews. They're heathens. They're not like us. They're heathens. And you want to save the worst of the worst? Well, I want to challenge you in this. Because I know we're in chapter 2 now, right? That was the end of chapter 3. Not good. So think about this. Jonah has now watched God save the people of Nineveh. And he's unhappy. And we're going to see how, much, how bad he is unhappy. And now we have a situation where if you think about the blood of Jesus, saints of God, I want you to be careful when you say some things about people not being able to be saved. Because if there's one person on this planet, no matter what they've done, that cannot be saved by the blood of Jesus, then we're wasting our time. I don't care what you think. I don't care your emotional, your emotional attachment to it. If the blood of Jesus doesn't cover every sin that man could possibly do, then it's, we're wasting our time. Because who, who, who determines if his blood didn't cover mine? See, so we're going to see how bad Jonah is. Go ahead. Yeah, go on chapter four. We're going to finish up today. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and mm -hmm. he became angry. Jonah became angry. Jonah got mad. What? Hold on, hold on. You didn't gave me the message twice that they were going to get destroyed. And you didn't destroy them all because they they listened to me. And I see calamity come upon Israel. But Israel, you didn't listen. As we read in Matthew, I would have gathered you, but you didn't listen. You killed all the prophets. You harmed the, your own kinsmen and didn't listen to me. That's why you go into captivity. That's why you have your problem, saints. You're not listening to God. And when God decides to use you on the enemy that you hate the most to save them, you get mad. Because you're like, how dare you use me to save the person that I hate? Who are you? He's God. He's trying to wake you up. The Ninevites are fine. He's still dealing with Jonah. Jonah still got issues. Jonah still doesn't love who God loves. Jonah hates who God loves. And that's another thing, saints. We got to love who God loves. And God loves to save the sinner. He don't save saints. He saves sinners. Jesus ate with sinners. And the religious establishment talked about him. And eventually crucified him. Because he was not the God of their imagination. He was the God that's a saving God. And that's a merciful God and is a gracious God. Go ahead. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. So in other words, he said, he said this back before we got started. You was going to send me on a mission to condemn them, but I already knew that you was going to save them. But I didn't want to go. That's why I went to Tarshish. Yeah. Because I knew you was a loving God. Yeah. I knew that you was a gracious God. I knew that you was a merciful God. I didn't want to go talk to them over there because I knew that you wanted to save them. I wanted you to punish them because they hurt me. They came against me. How many people did you want punish because they hurt you? And God is saying, I'm trying to use you who's hurt to save them. You go from being the victim to the victor. See, it is easy to be the victim. Why me? I'm going through. But how much more do you show that you're Christ-like when you take the victim out of the equation and become the victor and say, no matter what has happened to me, but God. Because he's left me here, he wants me to witness to my enemy that they might be saved. 
It doesn't take away from the natural consequences of their actions. Because in Nahum, they're going to get destroyed because they, guess what? They're going to go back. God's not going to send nobody else. He gave them one chance. He's not going to send nobody else. They're going to get destroyed. But not at the, at the voice of, of Jonah. But at the will of God. Go ahead. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. So Jonah now wishes that his life be taken from him because he mad. Now think about this. Jonah mad because God saved. Go ahead. For death is better to me than life. Now he wasn't saying that when he was in the fish. That caught me like, okay, you wasn't saying death is better than life within the fish. You had the same mission. So why is it now that, that, that you are upset? Because God did something that you didn't want to do it and that you thought, and you knew that, hold on, you said that you knew that he was going to do this, so why are you upset? That's how egotistical man is. Even though we know that God is merciful and gracious when he shows it to a person that we don't think deserve it, we get upset because we say they don't deserve it. Go ahead. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? He said, do you, do you have a reason? What is your reason to be angry? Do you have a good reason to be angry? What did he say then? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. Now can you sit imagine Jonah huffing out the city? God didn't ask a question. He didn't answer, he didn't answer God, did he? No. He said, do you have a good reason to be angry? And I can imagine Jonah stomping out the city. Yeah. Okay? Wait, because 40 days hadn't happened yet. Nope. So he hoping they slip up. Go ahead. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So Jonah had to be elevated above the city to see what would happen in that great city. Yeah. So he built him a little hut and sat under it. A little shelter because it was hot. Yeah. Go ahead. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. Now, God gave Jonah a mission and a word. Jonah went in the wrong direction. God brought a fish. Then uh, God brought a storm. Then God brought a fish. Then God put him on dry land. Then God gave him a message a second time. Jonah went and did what God wanted to do. Jonah gets mad and wishes to die. And now God gives him shade in the middle of his anger. He gives him relief. He shows him mercy and grace another time. And provides relief for him in the midst of his anger. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Jonah is sinning because he is wishing that God destroy Nineveh. But he already knows that God is going to be merciful to them. Go ahead. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plan. Oh, now Jonah happy. Now, 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 now pay attention to the saints. Jonah is happy about something that God did for him, that God was trying to do for them. Now Jonah's happy about the relief God has given him in the plant that gives him comfort, shade, protection. God wanted to provide salvation for them. What God wanted Jonah to see is, I am the author of salvation. I am the author of comfort. Just like I saved them and used you, I raised for plant, and we're going to find out, that you didn't labor for but you happy that you get relief because I did it. So why can't you be just as happy for the Ninevites who I decided to love and save? Go ahead. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. Mm -hmm. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die saying, Death is better to me than life. The third time he begging for death. Go ahead. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh? the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals. And we leave it right there. God showed compassion on Nineveh for the sake of the children. 
Because men and women, adults, know their left hand from their right. Children don't. Babies don't. And what God did was say, I'm not going to hold the evil of your parents against you. I'm going to give you an opportunity, the next generation, to walk in the story of your parents accepting Jesus, accepting God. And so do we. Do we have any reason to be mad when God decides to save someone? Do we have any reason, to, is God as good as God has been to us and sheltered us and kept us from harm's way? Do we have any reason to believe that somebody can't be a sinner and come to Christ? Do we have any reason to look down on those who slip and fall and may fall back into sin but want to get delivered? He delivered Jonah and he delivered Nineveh and God will continue to deliver you. How much more are you expected to be that loving person, that kind person to give someone the gospel that's so gracious and, and understanding and long-suffering and you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and, and even though you didn't die for the fruit, Jesus died so you can have this fruit that you can display it to other people. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power to forgive. You have the power to forget. And you have the power to raise up through the gospel. And you have to take advantage of that. You have to decide today that you are going to be obedient and do what God has called you to do and not put people in harm's way. Hello, this is Pastor Jay of Walker Truth Radio, the voice of your encouraging word for today. If you would like to sponsor your encouraging word for today, you can do so through PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. Look down in the description section and follow the prompts. You can also mail us at Walk in Truth Radio, 7852 Milan Avenue, M-I-L-A-N, St. Louis, Missouri, 63130. I want to thank you in advance, and I want you to continue to pray for us as we pray for you. And always remember, be blessed, be encouraged, and be at peace. And always remember, walk in truth. Thank you.